0: So, you want to save the world with clean energy? Make money doing it? Confused about the economic and technical realities of residential and commercial solar, batteries, heat pumps, EVs? Want the real world scoop on new energy technologies, not manufacturer hype? Then tune in to the Weekly Energy Show, hosted by Barry Cinnamon. Insights from Barry's 40 plus years in the solar and energy industry will help you understand the future ways we'll generate and consume energy. And now, here's Barry. Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, buying EVs is a pretty complicated process. The market for EVs is so dynamic, brand loyalty doesn't really mean that much yet. Every manufacturer is coming out with EVs. Very, very few are coming out with their second-generation EVs. And there's huge differences in EV mileage, in range, in charging systems and price so this week we're going to look at some electric vehicle comparison websites going to help you select the ev that's going to make the most sense for your driving habits your budget things like that now there's two factors that are creating so much interest in EVs. The first, obviously, are record high gas prices. We're still over $6 a gallon here in California. I think it's down a little bit below 5 nationally. But gas is really high. Second, there's increased environmental awareness. We're all trying to, not all of us, but many of us are trying to really solve this global warming problem. One car, one person at a time. And... Also, there's economics, not to mention because there's a $7,500 federal tax credit on most EVs, as well as state and utility credits. So I'm a really big believer that when economic and environmental benefits align new clean energy technologies can really take off solar crossed that tipping point threshold nearly a decade ago now solar is so much cheaper than grid electricity that but the fossil fuel industry is gradually going into decline no more new coal plants new natural gas plants are few and far between and really we're going to be getting our electricity from wind and solar and battery storage for that medium-term need in the evening EVs are there right now. We're just getting to the point where they're becoming ubiquitous and they're going to grow very, very rapidly. There are higher upfront costs for the EV. The batteries are still very expensive. Obviously, the cost for the batteries are going to come down as mass production ramps up, just like it did with solar panels. But still, even with those higher upfront costs, the lower fuel costs and negligible maintenance cost mean that the cost of EVs, and I like to look at something called the total cost of ownership. TCO, the total cost of ownership of EVs, is less than gas vehicle. That takes into account the higher upfront cost, but then it's negated by the lower operating costs. So, you know, EVs really make a lot of sense. And when you combine EVs with rooftop solar, the savings are an absolute slam dunk for EVs. Let's just go through a typical example. Let's compare two midsize SUVs, one a midsize gas SUV and one a midsize electric vehicle SUV. So here are the specs. Gas SUV has an 18-gallon tank, 23 miles per gallon combined. That's combined city and highway. The electric vehicle SUV has an 88-kilowatt-hour battery, 270-mile range, and a 90 MPGE combined. We'll talk about what MPGE combined is. That's just basically similar to MPG for gas cars, but it's an electric vehicle rating. So here's what happens. You fill up the tank of the gas SUV, $5 a gallon gas. cost $120 to fill that tank completely up. You can then drive 414 miles on that tank, and it's going to cost you 29 cents a mile in fuel costs. Now, let's look at that electric vehicle If you fill that electric vehicle battery up at 30 cents a kilowatt hour, an 88 kilowatt hour battery, 30 cents a kilowatt hour, kind of, you know, typical for lower end California electric costs. It might be higher at some place during the evening. It might be cheaper at night. That's actually a kind of a low number for filling up when you're traveling. But if you were to fill up that EV's battery at 30 cents a kilowatt hour, it costs $26. You can drive 270 miles and it's going to cost you 10 cents a mile to drive that EV compared to 29 cents a mile to drive that gas SUV. Take the example one step further. Let's say you've filled up the battery with solar, your own rooftop solar, at $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour. That $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour, in my view, is on the high side. Many of the systems we're putting in right now are down around 6 or $0.07 cents a kilowatt hour. But let's say you've got an older solar system you're filling up, and your average cost of electricity is $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour. It'll cost you only $9 to fill up that EV battery. That's $0.03 cents a mile compared to 29 cents a mile for the gas. The EV filled up with solar is almost 10 times cheaper to operate. All right. So the benefits are compelling of EVs. That's why they're really starting to take off, even though they're pricey and there's some limited availability. So what EV should you buy? There's lots of manufacturer information out there, but it's hard to compare because every dealer has different sites. They spent so much time pouring through these websites and different models. So You have to kind of look at what the specifications are, plus you want to look at what the EPA ratings of EVs are in terms of MPGE, that's miles per gallon electric equivalent. So, on this week's show, we're going to be looking at several EV rating sites. These EV rating sites rate the EVs in terms of mileage range and environmental benefits. Now, the one I like the best so far is Bloomberg's green EV ratings. And this is a really great set of ratings. I just saw this crop up a few weeks ago. The American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy has their greener car ratings, and that's also pretty good. And then you've got the U.S. government sponsoring the fueleconomy.gov website. So let's just start with the fueleconomy.gov website. From the U.S. government, every EV is rated, every car is rated on there. And you can see what their miles per gallon electric is. Now, let's just talk about what MPGE is. Now, you know what miles per gallon is? It's how many miles a car can drive on a gallon of gas. MPGE is the miles per gallon equivalent for electric. And it's calculated by the miles an EV can go based on 33.7 kilowatt hours of energy. What a random number, 33.7 kilowatt hours. But what that really represents is that's the amount of energy in a gallon of gasoline. So it's actually a pretty good way to rank the efficiency of various EVs. Now, the weird thing is EVs have better mileage in the city than on the highway. They're similar to hybrid cars in that regard. The reason is that EVs and hybrid cars use a regenerative braking system. That means when you step on the brakes, you're not actually compressing the brake pads on the disc brakes. You're actually starting a little generator that slows the car down and that energy is sent back to the battery. So when you step on the brakes, the car's energy that it took to accelerate it is now recaptured, maybe 80%, and stored back in the battery so you don't lose that energy. Whereas with gas cars and stop-and-go city driving, every time you put your foot on the brake, you're generating heat on the brake pads, and basically that heat is never recovered. It's wasted energy. So in stop-and-go city driving, during the stop part of an EV and a hybrid, you're actually recapturing most of the energy that was used to make the car go again. So you get better mileage in the city on the highway. On the highway, you're just cruising along at 65, 70 miles an hour. And it doesn't matter whether it's a gas car or an EV. You're basically using the energy in the gas car or the battery to push that car quickly through the air. And there's a drag. It's the same on both kinds of cars. Now, the unusual thing about MPGE is that the results are, of those numbers, that those ratings, are two to three times more than the ratings we have seen for gas vehicles. It got me confused the first time I looked at it. For example, most EVs have MPGE ratings in the 100 range. So they say you can go 100 miles in a gas equivalent. It's very rare to see a standard gas vehicle get over 50 MPG combined. So it's confusing when you're comparing a gas car's MPG to EV, MPG The EV, MPGE is always higher. But it's easy to see. It really works out as a good rating system when you're just comparing various EVs. Comparing an EV to a gas car, the numbers kind of look a little bit out of whack. So the fueleconomy.gov website, www.fueleconomy.gov, is really good for comparing the efficiency in terms of MPGE of various EV models. Now, Taking it a step further, something a little bit more detailed, the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy has their greener car ratings. And you can just go to www.greenercars.org and they'll list EVs as well as hybrid cars. It's a little confusing because it's greener cars, so it's basically everything except standard, ordinary polluting gas vehicles. So they've got hybrids and various forms of hybrids and very, very efficient hybrids, they've got hydrogen cars on there. So they list all the EVs, and it's easy to narrow down the search just to ZEV. Look at ZEV cars, that's zero emission vehicles. Don't look at what they call PZEV, which is partial zero emission vehicles sound a little bit of an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a partial zero. It's either zero or it's not. But this website's pretty helpful. You can just narrow down your search to ZEVs and you'll get the information you need. So greener cars lists MPGE for city and highway. And they also rank all the vehicles using their own green score system. And the green score is a life cycle assessment of all the environmental impacts of the vehicle. So you can kind of think of it as sort of a cradle-to-grave ranking using standardized data for all vehicles. This is where it gets a little tricky, is finding the standardized data for all vehicles. So some of that standardized data, which forms the basis of these ratings for greener cars, is the tailpipe emissions given by the emission standard to which a vehicle is certified, so for ZEV at zero, the fuel economy, MPGEE in this case, the mass of the vehicle, the mass of the battery, and the type of battery. And it's actually a pretty good, although complicated, scientific rating of all the EVs out there. So I think it's pretty good. Bloomberg Green publishes their electric car ratings. They've created a green rating somewhat similar to greener cars. But in addition, Bloomberg ratings include three other really important factors, at least in my view. They include the range of the car. They include the charging speed of the car and they include the price. And those are three really important criteria that people use when they're shopping for an EV. The price is self-explanatory, but it's very handy to see the other ratings. Of course, they have the MPG ratings on there too. So regarding EV range, boy, that's something that's been changing a lot. Just a few years ago, very few EVs had ranges over 200 miles. Now, many popular EVs have ranges over 300 miles. Yeah, when you're up around 300 to 400 miles, that's what it the standard gas car gets as far as range now my personal experience with evs i've been driving one for 10 years or more you need that long range for long trips and you also need fast charging speed because on a long trip you're going to have to charge somewhere along the way and if the charging speed is low you're just going to spend a lot of time drinking a lot of coffee or going for a long dinner while your car charges up fast charging And having a big battery, a lot of range, really means that you don't need to do a lot of planning and extra time when you're traveling. So if you have an EV with limited range, let's say you want to go on a 100-mile trip, you want to go home, you got to find a charger near your destination so that you can charge up enough so you can make sure you get home where you recharge. So there's some planning involved, and it's not always easy to find those publicly available working fast chargers. So, talking briefly about chargers. Fast chargers, also known as level three chargers, can charge your battery fully in 30 to 60 minutes for most models. There's still a limited number of these charges on long distance routes. You find them at rest stops. You find them at you know, 7-Elevens, at some gas stations. Tesla has a really good network of their level three chargers, but they're definitely not popular yet as gas stations. And also at a gas station, you can usually be in and out in maybe 10 minutes. Whereas when you're filling up your battery in an EV, it's going to take 30 to 60 minutes. So you're going to need more charging stations as more and more people kind of go by. All right. Now, As far as the charging speed, it's measured by the miles added per minute of charging. So some EVs charge really fast. They charge at 15 miles per minute. Kind of a weird metric, but it really does start making sense when you're looking for those chargers. So adding 200 miles of range with a car that charges at 15 miles a minute, it's going to take less than 13 minutes. It's not bad. Other EVs charge at slower rates. There's some that are charging at less than eight miles of range per minute. So it'll take twice as long to top off your battery with EVs that have slower charging rates. If you're both going to the same level three charger, it could take, you know, Twice as long to charge up. So it's really good to see the charging speed when comparing EVs, in addition to the range and the size of the battery. So it's going to make the difference if you have a vehicle that charges fast for stopping for a cup of coffee or maybe stopping for lunch. And keep in mind that there's another little nuance with these chargers. If there's public rating systems. You can find websites that list where all the chargers are. My experience is uh, unfortunately a high percentage of them aren't working or they're getting maintained. But you can find these Level 3 chargers along the highway. The thing you have to keep in mind is that if you have one Level 3 charger, they usually have two charging ports, and that Level 3 charger might be able to charge the first car at 15 miles per minute. But if two cars plug in to that same charger at the same time because it'll have two charging ports, the charging speed for both is going to go down by half because it's limited by the size the electric power lines going to chargers. So if you see a charging station with 10 chargers all lined up, if everybody's charging up their battery at the same time, those batteries are not going to charge as fast as if there was only two cars parked in that lot. All right, the Bloomberg Green EV ratings are based on two standardized metrics, and I kind of like it because it's pretty easy to understand. Driving economy, which captures just how well a car uses the resources it took to build that car to get down the road. It's based on the miles of range and the weight of the vehicle. And that driving economy represents about 70% of the rating. It's arbitrary. And then second, they rate it based on the battery size, which serves as a proxy for the carbon cost of actually making the vehicle. And that battery size, once again, it's arbitrarily 30% of the rating. So when you kind of combine all this to wrap up, if you're comparing EVs the Bloomberg Green EV ratings are a great place to start. I hope they keep the ratings up to date. It's kind of a lot of work because there's so many new models coming out all the time. And you got to track all that data as the new EVs become available. Right now we're on the 2022s and in a few months will be coming out with 2023s. So that's kind of tricky. But I really like the ratings. One thing I'd like to see is, is something that would indicate the performance of the car. In addition to the range, the charging speed and the price, a lot of people are looking at, well, how quick is the car? You know, what's its zero to 60 time? And that's an number that sports car enthusiasts and Tesla and and some of the other companies really like to hype. So it's just kind of a race to see whose car is quickest. And Got to hand it to Tesla Hatsoft. They've done a really, really good job of making efficient, relatively affordable cars that also are really quick. That's something that I kind of like. Anyway, bottom line, EVs, without a doubt, are the future of cars. Are we going to see zero gas vehicles on the road? I'd say it's going to be 100 years <laughs> before that happens, just like we can still you know, get the old-fashioned gas cars, polluting cars from 70 years ago. But eventually, they'll all be EVs. There's lots of great models right now to choose from. They're definitely cheaper to own long-term than gas vehicles, although they're more expensive. The fuel and the maintenance costs are much cheaper, especially if you charge up with rooftop solar. So remember my previous example. If you fill up your gas SUV, fill up that tank, it's going to cost you about 29 cents a mile to drive that gas SUV. If you have a comparable battery SUV and an EV, it's going to cost you $0.10 a mile. And that's if you buy your electricity commercially on the highway or just plug it at home. And if you fill up your battery with your own solar system, it can cost you $0.03 a mile. So solar-powered EVs are 10 times cheaper on a pennies-per-mile basis. But even if you don't have solar, the EV is going to save you a lot of money. So that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this week's energy show. Barry wants everyone to benefit from clean energy. So if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.